podcast is brought to you by TechSmith. Right now, millions of people are snagging. Are you? And by the IA Summit. This year, your peers and industry experts will speak about how topics such as social networking, gaming, patterns, tagging, taxonomies, and a wide range of IA tools and techniques can help as users experience information. For other events happening all over the world, be sure to check out events.boxesandarrows.com. In late January, I had the opportunity to attend the VizThink conference in San Francisco, California. VizThink brought together some of the most creative minds in design from around the world. On the last day of the conference, I gathered together Daniel Rose from Bell Canada, Ken and Rebecca Hope from the New Zealand-based infographics company Motivate, interaction designer Noah Alinsky, and illustrator and designer Christopher Fuller from Griot's Eye. We cover a range of topics, including how to truly think outside the box, the power of illustration and design in communicating ideas, and personal highlights from the conference. Many thanks to everyone for participating in this discussion, and I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Cheers. I didn't really have a theme for today. I thought maybe we could just talk about um, you know, lessons learned, why people are here, and, and what they learned, and what they enjoyed about the VizThink conference in general. Maybe we can go around the room, everyone can introduce themselves to start, and uh, you know, maybe the company you're working for and, and what you do. And we start over here. I'm Christopher Fuller. I'm uh, from Los Angeles. Uh, I work for Griot's Eye. It's a huge, vast company of one. <laughs> I, uh, I, I network with uh, friends a lot of times on bigger projects, but I, I do graphic facilitation, uh, live illustration. Um, my background uh, it's uh, cartooning and caricature, which I used to do in Orlando. And I came into this because of uh, uh, M.G. Taylor Corporation, which was a boutique consulting firm that put an ad that they needed uh, some artists. And I was like, why would consultants need artists? And that began my journey. Okay. Cool. Excellent. And you enjoyed the conference? I, 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 I loved it. Yeah. It, was, it was, you know, I knew that there was a community out there, but I've been sort of in my own, like, I was in a bathtub, like, splashing around, <laughs> and I came here, and I, I was like, wow, there's a, there's a pond, cool. there's an ocean. <laughs> so, it was great. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm Rebecca Hope, and I'm from Wellington, New Zealand, all the way across the Pacific. And uh, my husband and I work in a company called Motivate Infographics which has been recently launched um, after five years of playing around with infographics and the potential need for them and the sort of clients that we could help communicate with or for. And we launched Motivate at the end of last year and most of the work we do is with the New Zealand government where they have excessive uh, documents and reports and processes which aren't understood in your words. So we go in and take a concept or a process and make them visual so people can quickly clearly grasp the main points that they need to understand. And the conference has been, been great, you know, same reason. New Zealand's a fairly small country a long way away, but it's nice to be able to come and connect with other people who are also converted over. Well, um, Ken Hope, on the other side of motivated infographics. I too, by coincidence, come from New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Noah Ilyinski. I'm... Um, between projects right now. I've most recently been working as an interaction designer, which is what I went to graduate school for. But uh, accidentally, in the course of my studies at graduate school, I wrote a 90-page thesis about how to draw good diagrams. And, and the basis of that is, um, the short version is that intentional choices are more powerful than arbitrary choices. So uh, the process um, steps you through the choices that you make when designing a diagram or a visual representation. 
and how to um, make those good choices based in cognitive psychology and how people perceive things like um, shape and placement and color uh, so that at the end of the day what you get is a product that is an information product that's useful to your audience. And mostly I've done work applying that to qualitative things, to um, pictures of relationships. But the same concepts are completely valid also for uh, any kind of quantitative, any sort of numeric representation. So I spend a lot of time thinking about that. <laughs> uh, my name is Daniel Rose from Toronto, Canada. And I work for a company called Bell Canada, big film company. You may have heard of it. So I work with large groups um, around specific business objectives to kind of coalesce the energy and passion and wisdom of those, of those groups and kind of put it together into something um, that is, is useful for organizations. So what I would call a tangible work product that is created quickly and in real time with the knowledge and expertise of, of everyone in the room. I mean, I know the one thing I, w I was talking to, to you guys earlier, but the one thing that I really got out of this conference as an information architect is really wanting to understand how to better design ideas, better design products and services. Um, you know, like Rebecca, I work with, you know, vast, huge volumes of data and trying to structure and label things so people can easily find them and, and move their way through a process, whether it's on a website or otherwise. And um, I mean, there's a lot of tie-in, right? Interaction design is, is very much Absolutely. like that. Um, and I just found it really interesting the way in which, you know, with the different workshops, the way in which people would, would do things. Um, I attended uh, Daniel's session this afternoon, uh, and Christopher was drawing, drawing a lot of things brilliantly, and we got to interact with everything from Play-Doh to, you know, cut and paste to styrofoam balls. And just, you know, you don't really think about these, these things that, I don't know, I guess I would have used in grade one and grade two as a way of sort of working with large companies to try to illustrate ideas. But... I don't know, man. That was, it was you gave a great presentation today, Daniel. And I just again, it's just thinking outside the box a little bit more in terms of presenting ideas. You know, I have some thoughts on that box too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's hear it. Sure. All right. We'll we'll make it quick. Um, so I would suggest that that thinking outside the box is not actually possible. The box is what it is. So, and when people are asking that, asking to get that, um, I'll define the box first. In my humble opinion, the box is kind of defined by, or ba the boundaries of the box are a collection of our knowledge and our experience. So that's kind of, that's the box. So um, when you're looking for creative or breakthrough ideas, what tends to happen is that you tend, people tend to get with like-minded people. And they tend to be with uh, small groups of people as well. So they don't, they don't want 50 people looking for breakthrough ideas, because that's unmanageable. So they get in a room with um, five people who are just like them. So the collection of the, now the, the collective box is the sum total of that knowledge and that experience, which is really ultimately quite small because they're all the same. You know, they're all, let's say, telecom people, and they all went to the same university, and they've all worked at the same telecom for 20 years. So the potential for breakthrough ideas is limited. So what you need to do then is you need to, and I'll, and I'll draw it out, and this probably won't help for you podcast listeners. We'll take a picture of it and put it up on the show notes. All right, no perfect. Problem. So... If you get a bunch of people together who are all kind of similarly minded, there's your box. If you get a bunch of people together who are all very different, artists, sculptors, musicians, different industries, different places on the earth, different ages, that becomes the size of your box. 
and the potential for creativity and innovation is when these people start to talk and they start to share mental models and they start to rebuild mental models based on the unpacking of their assumptions and rebuilding it. Now, so that, that's where your potential for innovation and creativity can occur. Uh, the thing is, it takes time. Right. So if you're talking with um, a nuclear physicist about what they mean by the word merger, they're going to be talking about the coming together of electrons and atoms or whatever, and it's going to mean total, something completely different to a business person. Mm -hmm. So then you start to unpack, okay, well, what does it really mean? What does it really mean? What does it really mean? And then you can start to co-create together. So then you can have the insight and brilliance of a, of a physicist to help you work through your, your corporate direction with ideas and, and perspectives that you never would have come up with like on your own. a completely different change of direction which completely. the physicists may have even contemplated before. Exactly. So this, but this, this takes time, right? This, the act of, of these different parties kind of coming together to exchange and unpack their models is a time-consuming process. So you have to think about, is that a good investment? Like, is the challenge that I'm currently dealing with uh, significant enough that I need to invite physicists and sculptors in order to really get into it. I mean, if you're just looking to redo your something or other, and you know, like your how do you um, bring people into the company and right. through a website, then you know, you, maybe you don't need that. You just need to kind of think about what your objectives are. And out of interest, are you seeing more and more companies willing to take that step to want to bring in outsiders as such who might not know anything about the business, but firms that are actually, you know, okay, let's Let's go for it. Let's see what could be possible. Let's see what ideas we could come up with. It's getting there. I, I think that that's almost kind of the most extreme manifestation of that. Um, and I've worked with some clients who, um, who's, instead of doing that, instead of inviting the sculptor and the, and the physicist in, they, they, they take a whole day to rethink their business processes after reading for a couple of hours about, about complex adaptive systems. So we'll have people reading about how coral reefs manage resources and how rainforests do the same. And that's kind of, that's one way to substitute for actually getting a marine biologist in or something like that. It's so. kind of like what Tom was saying, though. It's almost a, a poor substitute because of, like, you look up on the web for this sort of information and if you're still using your assumptions and your, your box view, whereas if you're actually sitting in a whole room of people I mean, it's like you said, they could have done this all over the web, but you know, the scope of what we've done to them, what we've learned, and the enthusiasm could not be captured through a single conduit like that. Yeah, so, it's a continuum. You just have to figure out where the payoff is. And time, time is time is the is the cost for getting these ideas. But wow, look at the you know look at the directions you can go. I mean, even from a human factors perspective, right? I mean, your brain's made up of two hemispheres. And we tend to not really exercise the one half very much in our in our business in our professional lives in particular. And I think that's the one thing that that focusing on design more for solutions can really help with. Because the more you engage in creative processes, the stronger your logic becomes as well, right? In very much layman's terms, but that's the general idea. And so, if, we're, if we had companies that were more involved, be I mean, looking at Chris's illustrations, for example, I mean, I'm, I mean, we've got to get pictures to put the, put up on the podcast. I mean, you're an absolutely brilliant artist. I mean, when we were here the first night, Go sure, on. going, yeah, <laughs> that's good, that's good, yeah, yeah. Yes. Curiosity.com. Uh, <laughs> I resemble that remark, uh, but but you are. I mean, you, you're absolutely brilliant. And, and looking at your illustrations the other night, I mean, you could just you you could just tell like I didn't I didn't need to say anything. Right, you could just look at the illustration, and you could you could just envision exactly what you were thinking, you know. And it was just 
I don't know, it just blew me, the whole conference blew me away in yeah. terms of the, the unbelievable talent that's out there, you know, and, and we're not alone, right? Well, I think that's what the, the real power of when you add the, the visual uh, uh, modeling element, I, I mean, just when you hit, when, when people see ideals um, that they're saying coming to life in front of them, it's uh, it's just such an amazing experience, you know, empowering. it's empowering, it's, um, people are, are they hear their ideas, you know, uh, being captured, and like you said, they're empowered. But also, other people can sort of see a pattern emerging. Yeah, you know, and it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. And that actually leads into uh, something that I was very impressed by is is that so we're under this umbrella of visual thinkers, but there's like there's cartoonists and illustrators and map makers here. Um, the you know the mind mapping people who are very much about. The, the content and the relationships and not so much about the visual presentation and I'm more of that end of the spectrum. People who can do kind of all of it. And photographers. Photographers. People, these groups working together and learning from each other. The illustrators learning to structure and the, you know, the, the logical people learning how to draw. Yeah. Like, I can do a stick figure now, right? <laughs> but everybody being excited about, about you know, expanding our collective box, really. Yeah. To, to, you know, sort of creep in those directions that we didn't have and having a community to do that in where we to a degree have this common goal of, of, of all of us expanding our capability of representing these ideas. Yeah. Just like you said, being able to being able to turn our what's stuck in our heads into something that we can share in a, in a representative way. And what's cool I think also is how many university type teaching professionals were here too. Oh yeah. Like the University of Calgary, <coughs> a couple of sort of educational type people who were who were here to try and learn how to do this. It's not just practitioners in this field, it's actually Companies who want to do better and bring it into their organisations, or lecturers, which I think is brilliant. Or people who want to actively pass this on to the younger generation. You know, that that's the kind of attitude which I think everyone's got to take. That, that this is really just a, a new way of thinking. Because yeah. I'm I'm part of a few mailing lists: the Interaction Design Association, the Information Architecture Institute, the Taxonomy Community of Practice, and one thing keep hearing, reading over and over again, which I, I think is a colossal waste of time, is trying to define the professions, right? Trying to, sort of you know what I mean? I list for like 10 years. Uh, I'm sick of it, right? It's <laughs> yeah. just, it's so irrelevant because you know what, like, let's face it, if, if I draw, if I were to draw a picture of what I wanted you to build and all of the different professions that are sitting around this table, you'd all be able to build it. You'd have a different way of going about building it, but the product or the service or the site or whatever it was, you could build it. So what I really liked about this conference is here's an opportunity to learn from people in different areas, like you were all just illustrating, and not focusing on trying to define my own profession, but rather opening up the doors and learning from others and then incorporating that into my profession and learning accordingly. And stop trying to get into the semantical details of defining what information architecture is or what interaction design is. I mean. It, to me, that just seems like such a waste of, of I don't know, brain power. You know? Define through the big picture, don't define through the micro vision. Right. Things. And Daniel's big picture, as right, yeah. not not the little microcosm of like-minded people, but all the, the larger box, the, the ocean inside. The ocean. The ocean. We're all smashing now. What were some of people's uh, favorite sessions that they attended, uh, and maybe a short description of what they were? One which I was super impressed with. Um, wasn't so much the uh, session itself as it was Dave Sillard's um, uh, the Grove mind mapping, and you know he's just a fundamental, flawless presenter, and he's so onto it. But then he, the very last five minutes of his session was all about the second life 
interactive 3D environment. And so he uses this basically to display these panoramic huge pictures that, that they create, that they mine them. Here's a way of what we normally do is we, we draw a two-dimensional information graphic. We boil the, the information we get down to the core message and it's like an information graphic that tries to encompass the whole. Now here, now that, that's basically the, the core message or the surface structure. Here's a way of bringing this 2D image into a 3D environment, still keeping it 2D, but say, look, here's, here's part of it, I want to know more, let's open it up. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you get this 3D sort of like shelving effect where you can actually open up part of the graphic and learn more about it, links to websites, uh, delve more into the structure of that particular part. Um, and then, okay, I'm getting a basic understanding of how that works. Let's fold all back in together, move that down, and open up this other part. So instead of getting just the overview, they're getting the big picture, they're getting the, the small picture, and fitting it more into that framework that we've developed. Um, and I said this could be a way of basically adding much more detail to our end infographics mm -hmm. and adding a fundamental step which allows people with the time and the energy and the, the, the core need to find out more about it to uh, allow some path to do so. Other than Daniel's session today, which was just a highlight. But I also love the Common Craft uh, workshop today. Um, really mm. cool guys from Seattle. And the simplicity or the, the cleverness of what they do. You know, people keep saying, oh, well, it looks so basic and it looks, you know, anyone could do it. And as the... Um, as Lee pointed out, it's not the look that's simple, or maybe the look's simple, but it's the strategy. It's what actually goes into choosing which simple images to put together. That's what makes their... Um, the script. Right? It's the script. Yeah, it's the script that really drives it together, and I think that's what a lot of what we all do, what people see as the end result, what actually has gone into the decisions that create that end result, often don't really get appreciated. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And it's the strategy behind... What you're showing, and some of the examples you showed us today, Dan, made it all. You know, it's it's the decisions. They're not just nice-looking diagrams. It's been you know dozens and dozens and dozens of people work to create this masterpiece. In our case, it's just the two of us, but it's uh, it's nice even when it's something really simple, like at the Common Craft one today. They recognise just how much work goes into them. Yep. Um, yeah, just really cool people. So that was a buzz, as was your session. <laughs> Um, and, and I was in that, that session as well, in Lee and Sachi's session on commoncraft.com. And um, it, so someone asked the question around, is it, is it so, it's so simple that anyone can do it? And I think the thing that's going to keep them in business for a long time is actually not the visuals, but the writing. I think people, people generally are either A, don't like to write, or B, aren't good at it. Or C, think they're good at it, but they're not. Well, they don't take the time to do it. They, they, just, they just dive into the end product without doing the design phase right. of, of what, what is the content we need to convey. I've got to make, can do it. Yeah. yeah. So I think the cool thing missing is talent. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> but with respect to the actual the visual component of it, I think that's yeah. actually, it's the, it's the writing. It's mm -hmm. not the visual that's going to keep them in business. It's the ability to write it. Yeah. And I think it's that, that, that sorry, I don't, that, that it reinforced as several of the workshops did the need to keep things simple. 
that it doesn't need to be complex. Yes. The visuals can be so simple as long as the message is clear. Core message. If the script is so clear, then the visuals don't need to be more than cool little stick people. And that was a very that was a very strong thread through to the sessions I really enjoyed. I went um, to see uh, Carl Goode, who is a, a yes. professional information uh, informational diagrams. I guess he worked for Newsweek magazine for many years, and um, John Grimway, who also has done a lot of uh, map work, maps of cities and museums, or whatever. And both of them really were clearly very skilled at sort of reducing the noise and really focusing on what what are the key things we're trying to convey with this with this graphic. So um, removing a lot of detail, removing a lot of extraneous color, removing a lot of text, sort of refining and refining and refining until the, 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 yeah, the core message remains and it's, and it's very clear and there's not a lot of distractions and, and as, the, as the reader or the user you can very easily access the, the information that it's designed to convey rather than having to dig through, uh, dig through the text or dig through extra um, illustrations of, of, of bits that aren't actually relevant. And so this goes back to the writing, having a really clear idea of what is the message, what are we trying to achieve here, and using that to really guide the vision, which is unfortunately infrequent, I think. Mm -hmm. And that ties in exactly what you and I have been talking about, Jeff, about the need to fully understand what the message is and what it right. is that the client's actually trying to get across or what the ultimate outcome is that they're after. Unless you can figure that out up front, then you shouldn't just start playing and trying things. Yeah. And everyone's really excited to dive in, right? They want to get the project done. They want to see the end state. I mean, uh, working with uh, Canadian government clients, and I'm sure this is true in a lot of governments, you know, they, they want to see the pretty picture. Wait, and from a graphical perspective, that's great. But when you're dealing with vast, like unbelievable amounts of data where no one can find anything, which is the whole purpose of the website in the first place, um, you know, arguing for three or four hours over what shade of blue the banner should be, Right is kind of a moot point, right? So if if we can get a, which is why wireframes are popular and why they're why they're effective, right? Because it focuses on the structure of where things are, and that's a that's a very basic. There's another very basic visual toolkit that a lot of that I know I use often to get people to move away from you know looking at the specific colors you know of of things because that helps to put the final touches on it. But okay, well, let's focus on where you want things to go because very quickly after doing five or six wireframes, for example. They can see, oh, we've got about 16 different ways we structure content, and we've only got about five different ways we've drawn out so far, and we don't have time to do 16 different structures of the information, and we don't have time to create 16 different looking versions of each section of the site. So very quickly it gets pulled back to the importance of the structuring of the content, which in turn can drive the final look and feel. Um, I mean, my the designer I have back home in Ottawa, Bon Forsberg, has been doing 15 years. I mean, he tells me all the time, design projects that are maybe $500 quick quick projects quickly turn into $5,000 projects for him. Not because he's, you know, he tells the client up front, like, if you get this, if you have the vision in place, we can do this quickly, it can be done once. But if you don't have any of the content written and you have no vision for it, you know, he just has to keep re-changing everything. All the pixels have to change, the colors have to change. And again, I mean, it, He's happy to take their money, you know, as we all are. But if, you know, if we focused more on that at the beginning, then it wouldn't be such a big, such a big issue, right? Create a vision. You've got to have an end vision created. Right. It's not something that you work through. It might evolve. Yeah, it might evolve. But guys, um, my alarm went off. I've got to go catch my flight. Right? Okay. Oh, I fair want. To, I want to just uh, leave uh, quickly um, by saying I wasn't actually in Scott McLeod's session, but I was in the general session that he did at the end, 
And I, that was very illuminating for me. It was brilliant because he outlined the dilemma that I find myself in sometimes as someone who's come to graphic facilitation, but from an illustration background, I've been blessed and cursed with the ability to draw very quickly and kind of realistically sometimes. But you know what? Um, I've run into problems trying to um, find um, where I am inside his triangle of the real side, the iconic abstract side, and right. then the abstract you know, uh, beauty. Because I remember working uh, with a client and um, you know, the live illustration went great. And then um, we were working like um, towards a poster and I was doing um, cartoon people, but they were kind of, um, you know, very, you know, they're representative. And then, you know, the emails edit started going back. It was like, well, you know, you need to, the percentage of women needs, you know, if you're gonna do that, well, you know, you, you know we need uh, some blacks, which is embarrassing because I'm an African-American. <laughs> And, uh, and, and it, it got like lost. Yeah, exactly. When you know what? Like star people, blue star people would have worn so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good point. Okay, okay. Guys. well, thanks, Chris. Thanks for most. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Did people have other things that they, they wanted to share or, or chat about? I felt that the, um, the conference was, was more than just uh, listening, like most conferences are. There, there, I felt there was a spirit of. Um, of co-creation, that yeah. people wanted to create something that uh, something new that hasn't been done before, and so on the very literal sense, I think people really got into the exercise this morning around in the general session around creating a plan for a not-for-profit organization called Art Train, right. and that's a um, going back to, to my session content. That is a tangible work product, yeah. right? That there were 350 people in the room. In the course of ninety minutes, created work. Like yes. things were done. Yeah. And, and the feeling that they'll actually go on and mean something. That yeah. I think the, yeah. the organisation will absolutely use those ideas. There are a lot of them. Mm -hmm. So I felt that kind of over the course of a couple of days. Let's do something here. Yeah. And for and for those that weren't here, um, when in the when the night before the conference started, what I really thought was interesting, they had massive, large whiteboards they wheeled into the middle of the room, throughout the room, and just left markers up. And I'm like, so people could sketch and draw anything they wanted, yep. right? And had different different uh, signs up about uh, employers who are looking for people and people who are looking for work, and they can put their names down. And and uh, the organizer Tom, uh, Tom, Crawford. Crawford, Tom Crawford, the organizer of this thing uh, for this particular event. Uh, announced tonight that uh, the first person, uh, uh, one person actually found a job. They were looking for someone and they hooked up, they had the interview, and they uh, they landed the job, which I thought was uh, pretty, it speaks to your idea of something unique, right? You don't hear about these things at every single conference in terms of it being a priority, you know, in terms of looking for, for those kinds of things. In fact, I'd go so far as to say that if you put whiteboards and markers up at most other conferences, they would either be left untouched or what we know them would be just complete vandalism, right. basically. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you'd get the smart asses who do the, you know, the cool boy was here type stuff, and without really engaging that side of their brain, they would do a, do a, a dump rather than a, an organized dump. It was interesting for me the diversity of uh, experience levels and skill sets here. Um, so a, a number of other conferences I've been to, like the Information Architecture Summit, for example, was more or less professionals who are more or less doing the same thing. Yeah. Some academics, and this was a there was a very diverse here that there was educational administrators and there was graphic designers and there was sort of information theorists and illustrators and cartoonists and uh, in some ways I think it was a little bit challenging because I think 
targeting the sessions and who they were for. I went to at least one session where I knew most of what went on because I had much more experience with interaction design. And so it was a, a little bit lower level of that. Um, but then in the collaborative sessions where you had these different people working on a project and people from all these different backgrounds, all these different parts of the country, again, a, 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 a nice big box. And it was, it was kind of interesting having all those different skill sets that at least uh, for me, mostly I don't get that level of diversity of exposure in my workplace to these different skill sets. Um, they'll be, you know, they'll be the customers I'm working with and I'll get some ideas from them or some analysts or something, but that's very different from having, you know, the diversity of people who are, who are here. Sure, well, that probably points to note for people that weren't here that might, they might find interesting is that 20% of the, is that 380 people were here, I think, well, 380, yeah. 20% were international. Yep. They come from more than 3,000 miles away. So there are people from the UK and Denmark and Australia and New Zealand. South Africa. South Africa. So it's a pretty diverse bunch that all came together. And also that every um, meeting table, workshop table, and also the main session tables were covered in paper. With yeah. a bowl full of crowns and pencils and stickers and sticky labels. And I've never been to a conference like that in my life where you're invited <laughs> draw, to doodle draw like and draw. Five year old, but here you're encouraged to draw on the tables. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and on the walls on the whiteboards. It's almost like complete reversal of what is expected of a professional, you know, stiff backed person to come in and just you know, doodle on a piece of paper or, or put it in text. Here we're just encouraged to be kids. And I think that's probably the. That's what I feel like. I felt like I've been at a fun park for an entire weekend. Yeah. It's just been like, wow, 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 wow. And I think the VizThink website's going to put a lot of the images from the conference mm -hmm. up yeah. on their website. So I'm sure people who are listening can go to that and see some of the, the cool photos that were caught or that captured the essence of what it was all about. Well, guys, thanks very much. I know it's, it's, been, a, it's been a great couple of days, but you know, I'm sure everybody's got, got plans for, for dinner and drinks and maybe even heading home as Chris had to, had to fly out. So uh, uh, thanks very much for joining me on the Boxes and Arrows podcast, and uh, best of luck, and I hope to see you at uh, future conferences uh, all over the world. Good. Thanks, okay. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, thanks guys. Much, Steve.